0: Connecting with the Small Group Network in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Welcome to Group Talk, a podcast centered around strategic ideas for leaders of small groups. Whether you're stuck in your ministry or you're just looking for practical wisdom to help you in your ministry context, the Small Group Network exists to keep you supported, inspired, and informed so no small group point person stands alone. Let's get ready for today's episode of Group Talk.
1: Welcome to Group Talk. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Carolyn Takeda. I'm your host for this podcast and also the Executive Director of Small Groups at Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village, California. Well, we are in December, and as we get near the end of the year, it's a good time for our small group leaders to evaluate their group um, and consider maybe if they should be ending or splitting or refocusing and regenerating for the new year. Um, this is usually a good time to have those conversations. So I'm really excited to have um, our topic today, this issue of when you should end a group. Should you even end a group? Should you plan on ending a group? And then if you do, how do you do that well? Um, and I know that many of us have semester or quarter systems where Groups automatically end and then restart with a new bunch. Um, but for those of us who have ongoing groups without pre-designated end times, um, this issue can be kind of challenging to know whether you should stay, or work out issues, or whether you should go, or plant, or split, or any number of things. So we're going to explore this topic today. And with me on the program is Alan White, uh, who is a veteran small groups ministry a person, as both a pastor and a consultant and a writer, and he's done a ton of different things in small groups ministry. And many of you you probably know him from conferences or from his popular blog at alanwhite.org. So Alan, thank you so much for being on the program.
2: Hey, I'm glad to be on here. And now I figured out why you wanted to be on in December, because you <laughs> may or may not you may or may not know this, but my first name is everybody raise themselves. My first name is Rudolph. And so no way. Um, I'm i named after my dad, I'm Rudolph Allen White the second. And so this is my season with my red nose and all. So there you go.
1: Wow, okay, that's highly vulnerable. I you know, was a I'm bonus. really impressed. It was a bonus. It was a moment. Um, as you've already gathered, Alan is one of the funniest guys in small groups ministry, and so I've been looking forward to having this conversation with him. Um, Alan's devoted the last 25 years, to plus years to helping people find Jesus Christ, make meaningful connections, grow in their faith, and find fulfillment in ministry. And he successfully has helped to launch hundreds of groups at two churches, both as an executive associate pastor at New Life Christian Center in Turlock, California, for 15 years, and then Brookwood Church. In um, Simpsonville, South Carolina, for four years, and Alan currently lives in Greenville, South Carolina, with his wife and four children. Um, and he is also a small group network huddle leader. So thank you, Alan, for serving the network by uh, developing a huddle out in South Carolina. Very cool.
2: Yeah, that's no, great. And we we meet um, every other month, uh, first Thursday of the month. So the next one will be in January the. Uh, Seventh, and we meet at Sticky Fingers off of Woodruff Road in Greenville. And so for those in the upstate, they know exactly where that's at. So come have barbecue with me, and we'll have a lot of fun.
1: Sounds good. And we'll give Alan's contact information at the end so you can connect with him. I want to go. I wish I was in South Carolina for Sticky Fingers. Come on out. Um, uh, and Alan of, um, has a coaching uh, ministry, with, too, and he's done this for many, many years. He has experience with over 1,500 churches of all sizes and denominations, um, and he's helped, helped so many groups launch uh, people and connect people. And he describes it as both a privilege and a wild ride, which I totally agree. I think that's a great way to describe the ministry. So Alan, I wanted to title our conversation, Should I Stay or Should I Go?, and I I was hoping you would sing a few bars of that classic 80s song. Are you game for that?
2: <laughs> yeah, not, not so much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or maybe you want to sing Breaking Up is Hard to Do. There's another oh, one. I mean there's, maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's a lot around this topic. Groups, uh, once they get going, the, the idea of when do you end or do you even ever plan to end, uh, that's a really tough call. So let's just dive right in. So do you think groups should ever plan to break
0: up?
2: Well, I honestly, you know, working with churches and helping them start groups, I, I believe if if these groups, if they truly love Jesus and they want to go to heaven, they will never consider breaking up. They will just keep going on. I think that's what the case
1: would be. The life group for life or di- or die, basically. Yeah, yeah, no,
2: no, no but seriously, I, I think it all it really depends on the group. I mean, I've seen everything from you know, groups that start for one series or one church-wide campaign, and they kind of spring up like wildflowers, and then as soon as the campaign's over, they disappear, and they may come back around for the next one. And then there are other groups that, I mean, are around for, you know, 30 years or more. So I think it really depends on the group, the makeup of the group, um, all of that. I was talking to a pastor recently, and um, he actually gave gave the groups kind of an an opportunity to have an out every couple of years if they were an ongoing group. So at the end of two years, it'd be a matter of okay, do you guys want to re up for the next two years or are you ready to do something else? And because it was, you know, because it came from the small group pastor, it took a little pressure off the group instead of I can't stand you to come to my house anymore, you know?
1: Right, right. I think with the campaign type situation where you have six or eight, eight weeks um, together, we've done a chance at the end of that time to um, decide to continue or to make some transition. If the night of the week doesn't mm-hmm. work anymore or if um, they, some people are just in for that session and try to make – and, and you're, right, you're absolutely right, having it come from us actually mm-hmm. helps the leader out because we'll just say, hey, just do a quick check-in. Do people want to continue so people don't feel trapped? If they're in no a group mm-hmm. that's not working well for them and it's not personal, it doesn't feel personally um, offensive or hurtful um, along the way. And what do you think philosophically, mm-hmm. though, about um, I know church systems that have it as a set thing that you will separate after a certain amount of time, whether it's a year or two years?
2: You know, there is a certain thing to be said about a group life cycle, and I, you know, I think if you Google small group life cycle, you're going to come up with 20 or 30 different models of a group's life cycle because people have done a lot of thinking into this over the years, and I, I think it's a matter of if there's a model that makes sense um, that would typically fit most of your groups, go for it, but I would always allow for some exceptions because there are those sure. groups – that are good, solid groups that will go on forever and ever. Even thinking about, you know, when I first came to Greenville, I started a men's group. We met for lunch. We called it Alan's Out to Lunch Group because we were out to lunch, (laughs) and it was a little out to lunch, if you know what I mean. And so um, we, we, we met at a different restaurant every month. And so looking back, it's like, that group gained members and lost members and all of that. And then four, four years ago I was no longer on staff at that church and really saw myself as being part of the church's past and the guys in the group were part of the church's future. So, um, a guy that had been in the group for a while he wasn't even an original member then he became the leader of the group and some of the the guys that were in when I was leading are there they've got new guys I'm always invited I don't go very often but um so that group has continued over eight years but it's almost like the adage of you know you never cross the same river twice that it's it's, it's the, still the same DNA and still ongoing, but it's with different people over time, if that makes any sense.
1: It does, absolutely. And that seems really healthy and organic because you've got a core and the DNA keeps it kind of stable. And then you have people mm-hmm. through life seasons go in and out. Um, so what about when, um, when a leader starts feeling a little restless or wondering, um, how do they know if it's time for a group to break up? Like, What are some signs of that? You know, there are
2: really a couple of things that I kind of key in on, and one of them is whether or not the group has kind of lost its edge. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, as believers, we're constantly, we have this tension between grace and truth. And typically when a group is new, um, especially if they don't know each other very well, our tendency is toward truth. So somebody comes in and they have an issue, we, we support them, we hear them out, we understand them, and we lead them back to the truth of God's Word. But if you if you picture this balance of grace and truth um, as being like a, a the old gauge on the car that had the needle, it was kind of a semicircle, and so in the midpoint, mm-hmm. you know, maybe to the left you have truth and to the right you have grace. Well, over time, as people get to know each other, um they begin to understand each other a little bit more. So let's right. say that um I, I have to pick a sinful behavior and I'll pick it at random. Um let's let's say <laughs> that there's somebody some somebody in the group that um has a problem with uh shopping and buying things they can't afford and, and running up their credit cards. That's the problem.
1: How appropriate so tr- for December <laughs>
2: There you go for December. I, maybe I should have said pornography. I don't know, but anyway, um, <laughs> so you start out with truth, and you say, "Well, here's the books and you know the Book of Proverbs and the things Proverbs say about managing your money and why are you doing this? And you know, is this substituting for something? Is this an escape for you? And and you would point it back to God's Word. But then after a while, maybe you come to understand that person a little bit, what they're dealing with, their life situation, and you know that if they go out on the big shopping bin that you know something's going on and they've got to self-medicate with shopping and and so it goes from we need to help this person escape from this to i understand why they do that and i think if a group is too much in the mode of i understand why they do that the group has lost its edge and i think we need to figure out okay maybe it's time to get a new group because this group's getting a little too soft does that make sense
1: Yes, yes. So there's not the accountability or um, people are more concerned about liking each other and keeping things warm and fuzzy maybe and more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, So once you get too comfortable, then, yeah, you do lose your edge. And what are some other reasons you think a group might need to transition?
2: Well, I think, too, it it depends on the group. I think if a group gets to a place where I I call it, they they kind of turn into a cul-de-sac where (laughs) – you know what I mean? And yeah. of course, a lot of groups meet in cul-de-sacs. So that's completely different. But <laughs> they have—they're—they're they're not inviting and including new people,
1: right? And right.
2: they don't have an outlet for any kind of ministry. It's kind of we call all about—we call
1: it the ho- Holy Huddle.
2: Yeah, there you go. And so I'm there because it makes me feel good, and I don't care about anybody else. And um, and, and there's something to that. But to me, over time, what's going to happen is, you know, you'll have people that the day of the week doesn't work out, or you have people that they move away or, um, you know, for whatever reason. And then the group kind of gets down to, you know, this very small core of people. Sure. Yeah. And, and they get to a place actually where I think they deflect new members because there's so much history there. Um Yeah. And and so I think that, you know, if if a group is saying, Okay, we're gonna serve the community or we're gonna to continue to reach out and invite and include new people, that's great. But if they get to a place where, you know, people have left and the group begins to dwindle, sometimes it's really, really hard to add new people to a group that has a lot of history. And in fact I, I my analogy is it's kind of like when you get married and all of a sudden you have in laws and you know <laughs> you're related to them, but it's also very awkward. <laughs>
1: I could see it. that's a good analogy. All right, so those might be some reasons why a group um, is time to move on. What are some reasons that a group should not break up? Well, to me, a group shouldn't break up if something is hard. If something yeah, is hard in one, the group,
2: yeah. they've they've got personality things that are going on, or um, you know, they need to work out things. There's some conflict in the group. Um, they have somebody in, in the group that has a need, and maybe the, that person needs help and support beyond the, the group. But I think if it's difficult and people are just like, I don't need another difficult thing in my life, I'm going to bail. I, I just, you know, I would call them on that. I think that they need to. Um, They need to stick it out because it's, it's the tough things in life. It's the difficult things in life that really help us to grow. And, you know, we, we've all been a group with, you know, what we call affectionately an EGR extra grace required person. Um, personally, I'm only comfortable being in a group where I am the EGR, but that's a whole nother thing. (laughs) (laughs) But But anyway, um, so you have that extra grace required person. Well, sometimes that person is there, and this is not original with me, but sometimes that person is there to teach us how to love a difficult person or how to love okay. someone who struggles with with something. And so you don't leave the group because, oh, so-and-so is going to do this, and you know they're going to go down a rabbit trail. Or maybe something, you know, I had a, a group years ago in our church where— um, they had a member who suddenly lost her daughter. Her daughter was an adult and um, she was really stuck in her grieving process. Even, you know, two, two years after um, her daughter had passed, um, you know, the comments that she would make went back and talked about her daughter. So she really needed help, needed some sort of grief support, but she also needed a group to help her feel welcome and, you know, give her that direction yeah. and the support that she needed. Well, long story short, they they just quit the group and then they all went over and joined another group without this woman. And to me, it's like they, they missed an opportunity to help. They you know they were very selfish in what they did, and this wasn't my group, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, I think they could have handled it much better. But um, they just they were overwhelmed.
1: And you know, and that's legitimate. I, I think I probably hear more from group leaders when they're thinking about about ending the group. Usually from this category, um, mm-hmm. it is. You know, sometimes it's it, there's a group leader who says, "I feel like we're not growing. Maybe we need to change it up. Maybe we need to end." That's like the earlier category we talked about. Uh, maybe a good should, should break up for. Um, missional reasons or, you know, to continue to grow on their edge. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. the not breaking up, I totally agree with you. It's almost always, this is hard life is hard. We're so busy. Um, It's, you know, this difficult person, difficult situation is chasing other people away. So leading is more difficult. Um, And it's just, it's it's a convenient out. And I I think that's a tough one as small group pastors and directors to say, hang in there, because this is really where your growth edge as a leader Mm -hmm. appears. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you hang in there, really, what I've seen over and over is on the flip side is not everything goes smoothly because groups are so messy, but there is growth and there's beauty and grace on the other side of it for people in the group surprisingly as well as, as the leader. But I think that's really a coaching thing um, that we need to do with our leaders because it's so countercultural. You know, in our culture, if something's hard, mm-hmm. you fail. This is right. what we do. So I think this that's a tough thing to say. You know, that's not a reason to break up automatically, um, especially if you're just going to go down the street and leave, exclude someone. That's horrible. So um, I I agree with you.
2: That's really bad. And and I think that, you know, this is a place where, and we're we're not talking about, we're talking about groups breaking up, but I think it is a situation where a coach or the small group pastor or someone needs to intervene and help the group. So that they, first of all, they don't feel like they're alone, and and second of all, they don't feel like they need to handle this on their own and become the person's support group for them. I think there's a place for that to be addressed, but in the group, they can still, you know, offer care and support and you know, Bible study and all of the things that you know that groups are about. Without, um, but but so they have that support, then I think they definitely could and should um, continue and work through it and then there there are better reasons to uh, to give up on your group so
1: right and it, it takes so long to build relationships now in our our culture and like in our area people move in and out a lot so if you are mm-hmm. together for two years, that's actually a really long time. So we say, you know, hang in there um, because you're going to mm-hmm. get to the other side. And it takes so much longer now to get past the superficial stuff to get to the core of what's really going on with mm-hmm. people. And if you don't hang in long enough, you're never going to get there. And it's going to keep being a punch and cookies, fellowshipy sort of thing that's not going to have impact on, on people's um, spiritual formation. So I think there's yeah. reasons to stay. All right. So let's say in our fictional group, uh, they, the leaders decide, hey, We've gotten kind of stale and too comfortable. Um, it's time to break up. So how do, if they decide that, how do they go about doing that well? What are some steps to breaking up well?
2: Well, I think the opposite of that is you, you don't want to, like, break up in the fit of frustration.
1: Sure. <laughs> the meeting goes bad, you've had
2: it. Nobody showed up. They didn't call. They were late. You know what? Forget it. I've had enough. I, I think yes. it needs to be intentional. It needs to be planned. I think people need to know ahead of time that it's coming, that we're going to lead to the end of the semester. We're going to lead to the end of this year. We're going to lead to the end of this next study. And then here are some options of, of what you guys can do. Some of you, you know, have had, you definitely have the ability You can lead a group on your own. Um, You could join, you could join another group. Um, You know, there there are a variety of places they could serve maybe in some other capacity. But um, I, I think that it's, it's well-planned out, it's well-articulated, communicated to the group, and everybody understands this is kind of where the situation is. And, um, and if it is a thing of the group's kind of lost its edge, that would be a very difficult conversation to have, but it might be an important conversation of we feel like we need to mix it up because um, we've become more understanding, but we're not helping you be obedient to Christ. And so we think maybe another group would be more suitable at this point. Um, so anyway, they, I, it's a it's a difficult thing to do. Breaking up is hard to do, um, and I don't think you could really tell them. You know, it's it, it's it's not you, it's me. You know, let's still be friends. <laughs> Classic Cause, line. Cause, cause, cause it's, <laughs> So anyway, just don't text them and say, the group's over, we're done, don't come back. That would be horrible. Don't do
1: that. <laughs> well, you know, you bring up such an important point because a lot of times they want to end because it's hard and there's conflict and now there's been gossip. Maybe there's some divisiveness in the group and some cliques mm-hmm. that have formed. Um, so I think, you know, I encourage our groups before they decide to end to have the conversation. The, you know, what we call um, DTR, Define the Relationship. And mm-hmm. apparently that's with teenagers. Now apparently that's passe. My teenagers are no longer saying that. But it used to be a oh. thing where you would actually put your cards on the table and say, okay, here's where we're at. Here's where it's going. And I actually had to do this with my own group um, that had been together for, gosh, a great season from preschool on for about seven years until our kids were almost hitting high school. Most of the kids were all in that age. And we had raised our kids together. It was this wonderful group, but it was, it was complacent. We weren't um, spurring one another on anymore. We were just really enjoying each other, which is valid, but we could do that without being an official group. Uh, and so so I said, "Hey, we need to have a DTR conversation to say, is this is this meeting the goals for which we had started?" Um, and you know, and then the tricky part happened, and this is my next question for you, Alan, was that I saw the clear need for us to uh, move on in some fashion, either to to go and, you know, have a couple of people maybe plant a new group that wanted to continue, maybe send people to, you know, one person that gotten divorced, maybe they need to be in divorce care for a while. I mean, I kind of had intentionally thought about what's the best next step for each person in the group, um, including mm-hmm. us, but what I got back was really difficult night of, um, I don't want to break up. We've been together for seven years. What are you doing? You're supposed to be the expert in small groups. Why can't you fix this? Uh Um, And this is the only community I have, so why are you yanking this from me? This is working fine for me. Majority of the people said this is working fine for us, Carolyn. Why? Why do you think we need to change anything? Because I was looking as a spiritual shepherding, and I could see that we had stalled for a good couple of years. They mm-hmm. were looking for for now. This is my extended family, and I was breaking up with them. And then my husband turns on me and goes, "Why are we breaking up with them?" And I'm like, "Great." Oh was, no. Because, you know, I didn't give them the game plan enough in advance. So it, it was like, okay. Um, and that raises the question. It got personal. Um, there were tears. Yeah. There were people, people were mad. And um, obviously I didn't do this very well, and I learned a lot through the process. But, what, you know, what if some members don't want to break up and don't see it the same way as the leader does?
2: Yeah, I think, first of all, you should have turned to your husband and said, we need to DTR, you're going to be in the doghouse. So. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I found the best way that i broke broken up with my groups were either to leave the church or leave town. And then um, it was pretty much obvious it was not going to continue. Um, I did have a, men's, That's nice a men's and clean breakfast yeah, I had bit of a men's breakfast I led for five years that met at six o'clock in the morning, and I was not a morning person back in those days. And finally, I I said, here's the thing, guys. I said somebody else needs to take this over, and uh, two weeks from now is going to be my last week, so you guys figure it out. And they did. Had- <laughs> and what they were doing wasn't bad. It's just that I I needed to hand some things off because I had too much on my my plate. But I think it does get personal. I mean, I think that what it speaks to is you know the the effectiveness of the group that you were able to get close, that you were able to um, sure. feel some connection, but I think it really comes down to, um, you know, this difficult choice we have to make between, um, do we want to be comfortable, or do we want to get uncomfortable? And, you know, most people, after a lot of time and thought and prayer, decide that they want to be comfortable, and they don't want to be uncomfortable, and uh, it's, it's a no-brainer, and you don't have to pray about that at all. And so, you know, <laughs> they're in something that's, that's comfortable, that's familiar to them, and so versus something that is potentially uncomfortable, something that's unfamiliar to them. And you have to build a pretty good, a pretty good case um, right. to say, you know, why, why this isn't working and to be clear about it. And then they go back to, you know, what you initially have in your group agreement or what you're setting as goals for your group. And right. if you don't feel like you're accomplishing those goals, then it's a matter of, well, let's be honest with each other. That we've traveled for for this certain distance, and we've accomplished these things, and God's done these things in our life, and it's not that we're never going to talk to each other, we're never going to get together ever again, but it's a matter of, with this configuration of people, this is as far as we've been able to get to go, and so... We need to maybe think about allowing other people or having other kinds of experiences that are to help us to continue on our path of, of growing and challenge us in different ways
1: and that's a great that's some great language um, to use in a meeting like that um, i I think part of it too is um, i've implemented now after having our own group break up in this way, that was very messy. Mm-hmm. Part of it was actually for me. Um, as the point leader for this ministry, I really couldn't justify continuing to um, have my own personal group be one where we weren't spurring one another, um, and we mm-hmm. weren't on the growth edge. And here I was trying to coach and direct our other um, leaders to do these things, and I I just felt so convicted that I'm not not modeling this, um, and mm-hmm. that, was a pro- that was a problem. And I still love these people, and we still see each other socially, but I just needed to change. And so um, I think, you know, at, at the heart of it people did understand but what I did one thing that I did that was a good thing was I said you know the, exactly what the language you used was this is an incredible season we've been extended family to one another during hard child rearing years um, and that's been hugely beneficial for us and our kids and none of us have f- extended family in town and that we became for, that for each other and we'll continue to be that and I said let's take a night two nights from you know when we have this meeting and I did tell them in advance well, we're going to have this meeting let's take a mm-hmm. night and just Have Thanksgiving." And you know, have have food and just talk about all the things that Mm God has done, what we've seen, and just share stories. um, And let's end on that. So I've now implemented this with our our ministry that if you are going to end, um, set a time of celebration. And this has just been so healthy and helpful for groups to have a designated time to say thank you to one another, to thinking Mm -hmm. back, to remembering. You know, it's very scriptural. All the remembering that God tells the Israelites to do. It, It just reminds us that this wasn't just a about us and a bunch of random people in a room getting together on a regular basis, but rather it was really a work of God. And I think that's really helped those transitions kind of end on a sweet note and a a more um, higher note than what might be otherwise, you know, who likes who, who's having a difficult time, who doesn't like who, and and whatnot. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, and since I was planning to move on and, and um, start another group with another c- couple, we invited people if they wanted to do this uh, new thing, which was we're really going to pursue growth together, they're welcome to join us. But otherwise, we would just stay um, friends. And it's it was a hard transition, but I think ultimately it benefited the people. And we it, you kind of sometimes need to scatter, um, I think, for growth to happen. But the celebrating is a really good one. Um, I don't know if you have any other Um, tips on how practically how to do this, how we can coach our leaders to do this well if they're doing it?
2: Yeah, I think as much as it can become the group's decision instead of just the leader's decision, I think the the better off you are. And maybe that involves some individual conversations. Um, And I'm not saying, you know, to stir up dissatisfaction toward the group. (laughs) <laughs> That's kind of fine, but, but to compare, you know, where where were we seven years ago compared to where we are now in our relationships? Right. And, you know, are are we still saying those hard things? Are we, you know, or the, the other thing would be that if, if you've been with a, a group of people for an extended period of time, and they've had some opportunity to share in some of the leadership of the group, it may be just be time that it's like, listen, guys, you are all capable of leading groups on your own, and there are people that need groups, and so we're kicking you out of the nest. And, right. Um, you know, so there could be that that feeling as well. But I, I think, well, again, give it. Go ahead.
1: How well does that, that work? I mean, just as an aside, because as a way to multiply leaders in your um, consulting work, um, Alan, how well does it work to try to kick people out to lead groups? Do they do it? Yeah, it doesn't work as well. <laughs> I know, and because in theory, it sounds good. <laughs> yeah,
2: people in the U.S. tend to, you know, want to stay together. But I think if they if they realize that the alternative is that, um, you know, that the group's not staying together anyway, so let's think about you know where to go to next. I think the gentler way of doing that is, um, you know, some churches will encourage their leaders to take a small group vacation. I'm not sure who originated that, but the idea where all of the group members would leave the group for a six-week, you know, a church wide campaign or something, and then at the end of the six weeks, they'd be welcome to come back. And, you know, the, the secret to that is that most of the ones that start a new group Will stay with the group that they started and won't return, or they'll try to do double duty for a while, but that only goes so far. And we made a mistake of this in our group where um, we invited them to do the vacation, and but we didn't send them all out. We let them choose. Well, what happened was all of the extroverts left, and all the introverts stayed, <laughs> and we had a heck of a time rebuilding this group because we'd say. Well, why don't you guys think about, you know, some of your friends and who, you know, who you could invite to the group and they'd all look at their shoes and say, you're our friends. <laughs> so it took a while to really kind of work on getting more people back into the group. So the lesson learned was if you're going to have them take a vacation, they all go on vacation, send the introverts with the extroverts, but get them all out. Um, and so that's, you know, maybe a way of, of leaving the group and for the sake of a, a good cause. But I think too, if, if you have built in that every year or so, the you know groups can reevaluate and decide if they wanted to continue, or you could even go. I mean, some small group life cycles say two years is the is the mark, and everybody right. needs to switch it up. I mean, if you do semester based, you're switching it up every semester, which may be a little too soon. I tend to call that method uh, fruit basket upset, but anyway, <laughs> but every every couple of years, if you have them evaluate. Um, I don't know to make it mandatory, but I, I think that you just say, okay, well, the group was meant to last this length of time, and now we've reached that end, and so now we need to figure out, you know, what's going to happen next. Then it, that's coming more from the outside than the inside, and there's always the off chance that a group likes each other so well they're just going to go underground and not report back anyway. Yes, but, that, um, that's the other. Yeah.
1: That's the other one. <laughs>
2: If, if, if mean, they're going to they, stick together, they're going to stick together. They don't care about you or
1: not. <laughs> <laughs> right. So then it's a losing battle. So it's not even worth worth fighting that battle because you learn early on in this ministry, there's plenty of battles worth fighting. Uh, and yes. that one, that one's not. If people want to stay together and kind of do their own thing, I just let them and, and just love them more from a distance. <laughs> um, but, you know, have, what do you think about the um, – telling a group to go out, but maybe not on their own. So you send the extrovert with the introvert. So have you ever seen models where you pair up people and then send them out to start new groups?
2: Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. That would be a great way to start because then you have um, people that can, you know, you can go to their circle of friends to invite people or somebody that can, you know, deal with the child care issue or, or, or what have you that, you know, they can kind of, you know, they, they like each other. They want to stay together. I think that could definitely work. Um, and,
1: and I, I'm what about the click, that what, inter- the click fa- what about the click factor though. Like, you yeah. know, the, who goes with who?
2: Yeah, I think that's, that's kind of a, kind of a tough one. And, you know, you, <laughs> you get a little bit of that click factor in there, but, um, but to me i mean if there' if there are relationships that have a good purpose to them, then i think I think you're okay, even if they might appear to be a little clickish the The trick is going to be are they going to be warm enough and open enough to accept new members and to make them feel right. welcome, knowing that they do have a history together? you know even this men's group I had um talked about earlier, you know we'd have uh, new people come and join the group, and several of us have been in the group for a long time, and uh, inevitably. At the group meeting, somebody would say, "Well, you know, what about Bob?" And we had a guy in our group named Bob who was a psychologist, and yeah, no we way. never, we, we, yeah. So obviously, the movie reference in well, about right. what about Bob. So we never knew if Bob was going to be at the group or if a meeting was going to run on and he wasn't going to be available. So every time somebody said, what about Bob? We turned to the new person and say, okay, we'll clue you in here on why like, this is fun. <laughs> right. And so what we discovered was when the new guy came to the meeting and we got we're getting ready to get started, and, he, and then the new guy says, what about Bob? He was it. He was one of the bucks right. now. He got it. And, and, right. and so, But you do have to take time to kind of explain, you know, kind sure. of those insider kinds of things. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Otherwise, Otherwise you feel like you know you're there to be part of a Bible study, but you're not there to be part of each other's lives. So I think it really depends on the individual. So I think the ones that are too clickish and they're, they're clickish by nature, and they're not going to be open and include other people, um, that group's probably not going to go so well. Um, or it's going to be you know two couples or three people or you know whatever, and it's not going to grow bigger than that. And there's nothing. I'm not totally against that, but it, it can be more than what it is.
1: Yeah, I, that makes sense. I, I think um, there's just so many ways to do this wrong, and there's a few ways yeah. as well. Um, but certainly, you know, there's a life cycle and there's natural transitions. I think if when the group does get really small because people move out of town or um, their season of life makes it too hard for them, it's it's a good time to evaluate whether or not um, should move on or you know stay in. But thank you so much for um, some of those thoughts. Um, You're what, welcome. We only have a couple more minutes. Is there anything else um, you'd like to share that we didn't hit?
2: Um, you know, I I think the thing is that there really can't be, you know, one pat answer for every group. I think you it has to be nuanced. I think you need to be flexible as far as how long a group, you know, goes, how short a group goes, how a group, you know, transitions, some of those sorts of things. It's probably more of an art than a science. I don't know that yeah. there's a hard and fast, fast sure. rule to that. I think just to be sensitive to that to what's going on, and maybe the times that a group thinks that they should split up are not the times that they should split up. And then the mm-hmm. times when everything's calm and everybody's comfortable, maybe that's the time to think about splitting up. <laughs> I, I don't. But, but and again, I don't think there's a hard and fast rule to say in every case this is what you should do. I think you really just have to use. Um, wisdom and discernment experience to kind of see what's going on and how best to handle it.
1: That's so true. That's a really good word. Um, There's just not a lot of rules and black and whites um, related to this. It really does require the the Holy Spirit and our own discernment as well. Um, So thank you, Alan, so much. God bless you and your ministry. Um, You can follow... You can follow Alan on Twitter at Alan White. Um, he has over 30,000 followers, so i, I just like, wow. I'm very impressed, It's Alan.
2: crazy. It costs me a lot of money to pay all those people to sign <laughs> up. <but. laughs>
1: well, we can join your and, tribe. If, you, if you're if you not already following him, you can join. I've been following him for a while. He um, puts out great content, his website, ellenwhite.org. He blogs regularly about trends and issues um, in small group ministry. And, Alan, I have to say, not only do you write well, but I just love the honesty with which you write it. You don't have a lot of sacred cows, uh, in the ministry side, and you write about it with a lot of uh, wisdom and honesty and, and fairness about different things. Thanks. So I really appreciate appreciate your voice in that. And he also currently has a free e-book, um, one chapter of it anyway, it's a teaser, that you can download called Exponential Groups Moving Beyond Your Limits. Um, I got this when it came online, and it's a great intro to how you can multiply the number of groups that you currently have, um, and it's got some great wisdom in that. And once in a while, apparently, Alan, you call people that read the book, so... (laughs) I
2: I do, and I'm not looking for people that are going to agree with me. I'm looking for people who are willing to argue with me because I'm going to figure out what I did wrong. And the one thing I will point out when you're when you're trying to search my my stuff is Allen is two L's and an E, Um, because are a lot of there are other wrong ways of spelling Allen, but mine is A L L E N White, and then it's .org, not .com, because that'll get you into a whole other different thing you don't want to get into. Don't even look. So anyway, what
1: what you should (laughs) have done, what you clearly should have done, is said Rudolph. And that would have been I, really clear. You know, that that would have made it distinctive. And I'd
2: actually toyed with that, but um, <laughs> anyway. And I could just tell him I'm a German theologian, and it would all be good. So. <laughs> so funny.
1: Um, anyway, you can find Alan, and we'll we'll post his um, this podcast as well as as um, other his Twitter handle and whatnot on our Facebook page. And since Alan is part of the small group network and one of our Huddle leaders, he is um, he's active on that page. You may have seen him on there. And if you have any questions you want to argue with him, just bring it on. He can take it. Um, bring if you it have on. Any, any other concerns um, or just want to kind of explore something further, please feel free to interact with Alan or other people on our, our uh, Facebook page, which is really a great resource for, for um smaller Point leaders. Also, if you're in South Carolina and you want to connect with Alan, be part of his huddle, you can find him there as well. So thank you so much for listening to Goof Talk. We'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to Group Talk. If you liked what you just heard, we encourage you to visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com. Also, use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so you get all the episodes downloaded automatically. Remember, the Small Group Network exists so nobody stands alone.